Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. If you think about the the box office loves these kind of movies and the reason is is people love the subject of the paranormal. Now, the paranormal uh, are the, the subjects of ghosts and spirits and demons and people being possessed and and things of that nature. And I just find it so odd because I've been a Christian now for probably about 30 years that the world seems to be borderline obsessed with this subject, but a lot of Christians are just naive to it. They, they don't really talk about it. Um, I'm beginning to think a lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus, don't even really believe in it. But I have to tell you, based not only on how much the Bible talks about the reality of spirits, but based on my own experiences with the things that I've dealt with as a, a man, as a husband, as a father, and even as a pastor, leads me to believe that spirits are the real deal. We've been in a series, for those of you that may have not been with us and, and you might be new, um, we talked about the struggle is real. And what's, uh, what's interesting about a lot of these struggles that we've been talking about, some of them just have popped up in our life and we're like, man, I, I don't even know like how this happened. Uh, but why is it that most marriages, they get in fights on the way to church? Have you ever thought about that? Some of the craziest disagreements I've had with my wife are like when we're going into intense marriage counseling with another couple. And I know there's more to it than meets the eye. Uh, But I think for the most part, a lot of people just don't really believe in it. They don't talk about it. Uh, But it is super, super important for us to talk about. Matter of fact, a a few years ago, I talked 
in the Vegas church about this subject, and I made a vow to myself because of the conversations I had with people after the service that I would talk about spiritual warfare at least three times a year just because of how I believe the church was not really knowledgeable about it. And if you're not knowledgeable about this, the spiritual attacks have that much more of an upper hand against your life. Your awareness about this, your knowledge about this actually is going to empower you to become more victorious as you go through these things. Uh, I like this quote from um, this uh, movie. You might have seen it. Uh, I don't know if you guys can put that up there, but uh, the usual suspect says, the greatest trick the devil has pulled is to convince people he doesn't exist. But I, I like this scripture that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, about this idea. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. In other words, there is this realm that is happening in the same realm that we're living in, and because we can't see it, it's easy just to pretend that it isn't really there. But you have to understand that the Bible talks about spirits from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. The early disciples in the, the Gospels, he, they have these experiences with Jesus where they think they see a ghost, and perhaps, maybe it's because they believed in ghosts. Uh, the Apostle Paul had his own situation where he dealt with spirits. But the biggest case we have that we need to be talking about this as a church is Jesus himself. Not only did Jesus deal with spirits, he delivered people from spirits. But I like how the, the Apostle Paul talks about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle, we can use the word fight there, we, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I like how the English Standard Version reads this present darkness. It's actually a popular book from the 1980s. Some of you read it, but I remember reading it back in the 90s as I was really getting traction in my relationship with God. And it's a fictional story about this town that deals with all kinds of uh, spirits that are kind of coming against it. But I remember when I was reading that book, realizing that there were so many moments of my life that I didn't realize were spiritual battles that I was going through. I just thought it was just regular struggles or regular things that I was facing, not realizing that perhaps there was something more going on in that space than I first realized. So a lot of my, I guess, realization was my ignorance that there are spirits that are in this world that are bent on making sure that we don't grab onto and successfully live out the promises of God for our lives. And so it's super important to be talking about this. Some of you here this morning, you've had struggles this week. And I'm not one of these preachers that everything bad that happens to you is the devil's fault. I'm not one of those guys, all right? There are people out there that are like that. 
There are things that happen against our life because of our own spirit of stupidity. We, we make a decision, and it's not a good decision, and the Bible says, hey, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. In other words, when you make a decision that's a bad decision, there are going to be consequences for those decisions. However, with that said, there are things sometimes that move against our lives that have nothing to do with the bad decision that we've made. It almost feels as though something is trying to stop us from getting somewhere that we're supposed to be. Have you ever been in that moment? Have you ever had that kind of situation that that you were a part of? Now, I like the book of Ephesians. We'll probably do a in-depth Bible study on the book of Ephesians here in the next few months. And what I love about the book of Ephesians is that the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, he, he's on a mission to really kind of give this progression of what our life looks like when we decide to start following Jesus with our lives, to really put him in the place of the supreme authority in our lives. He's saying, your life is gonna change. And so the book of Ephesians kind of walks you through this progression. And it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about this space that we're in. It says, you used to live in sin, okay? He's talking to the church, just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So so Paul is saying this. He's saying, before Christ was in your life, you were under somebody else's control, and you didn't even know about it. You were unaware of it. You were shackled up. You were in a prison cell, but you had no idea because that was all that you were used to. And so you would know there was any difference. Imagine that you know, you lived in this confined house and this confined space for, the, for like your whole entire life and that's all you knew about and then somebody came in one day and said, hey, you're free to leave your house and all of a sudden you left your house and you saw, oh wow, there's this huge, beautiful area and community and I could go on a boat, I could go on a plane. You'd, your world would be changed. And so the Apostle Paul saying there, there is this concept that before Christ came into your life, You were bound up. You were shackled up. You were in a prison cell, not able to be who God has called you to be. But something changed when Christ entered your life. The shackles came off. The prison doors came open. And you were able for the first time to walk in the freedom God always intended you to walk in with your life. And so then he starts progressing us through chapter 3 and chapter 4 saying, now that Christ has set you free, and now that you're living in this new space of freedom and empowerment, now things are going to start changing in your life. Guess what? The way you think is going to change. The way you speak is going to change. Matter of fact, it's going to even impact the relationships around your life altogether. I have a kind of a diagram a friend of mine showed me years ago. I call it the circle diagram, if you guys want to show slide one there. This is basically what our life looks like without Christ. There's, there's, main, there's three main elements of your life. There's your physical self, right? And then there's the, the mind self. These are all the thoughts that kind of are kind of swimming around up there and, and that you're dealing with. And then there's the spirit side of who you are. But there's three main elements that make up who you are. 
And so what Paul is saying here to the church at Ephesus is when you're in this stage, you're actually being controlled by the devil. The spirits, those forces and principalities that are at work in this world are actually at work inside of you. But you're unaware of it. But then what happens? God comes into your life. And when God comes into your life, everything begins to change because God begins the center and he starts changing all of the elements of who you are. He starts obviously affecting your spirit. He starts impacting your mind. He even starts impacting your physical body. I kind of have that demonstrated in the next uh, graph there if you want to show. So here's what happens. The love, the authority, and the power that God has that he gave to Christ who is now living in you, all of these things have now been imparted to you. So you were in shackles, you were in a prison, but now you are experiencing the love, the authority, and the power that God always intended you to have on this earth. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, I'm not here to tell you that you're fighting for your victory. When I talk about spiritual warfare as a Christian, you're not fighting for your victory, you're actually fighting from your victory. All the love, all the authority, all the power that you would ever need to live the godly life God always intended you to live has already been deposited inside of your soul. And it starts protruding out, just like that. Now, what happens is, when you get into this position, it starts impacting every area of your life. Show the next chart. It starts impacting your relationships. It starts impacting uh, how you love other people. So when you love God completely, you love yourself correctly, then you will start loving others compassionately. This is so good for us to understand. Because what is the devil after? He's after getting involved so that you don't love God completely. And he's after you not loving yourself correctly. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment that we are to follow? You know, there's 614 different Jewish laws that you're supposed to follow. And this guy was trying to trip Jesus up. And he said, it's real simple. He says, the greatest commandment is this, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. In these two provisions, or in these two laws, are all the laws. So if you can just simplify your life and just say, man, I'm going to love God completely, I'm going to love myself correctly, then everything God intended you to do with your life is going to start happening. You're going to start treating other human beings the way God has always designed you to treat them. But the reason we have all of these frustrations and friction and all of these different relationships in our our life have a lot to do with demonic strongholds that get entrenched even in us as Christians, And so we deal with friction, and we deal with struggle, we deal with all of these things because there's forces that don't want to see this completed in your life. They don't want to see you be a healthy person. They don't want to see you in a position where you're helping other people. So if this is the default position when Christ lives in your life, that you have positioned yourself So that all the love, all the authority, all the power that you need to live out this thing perfectly has been given to you, then what the devil's after is he's after pushing you off of this position. You've already arrived at the position because of Christ in your life. So what is he after? He's going to push you off the hill. When I was growing up, we had a dirt hill. Somebody was like building something next door or whatever. 
we would always get up to the top of the hill, and the whole goal of the game is to try to get that guy off the top so you could be the next guy on the top of the hill. How many played that when you were little, all right? Man, how many still play it? <laughs> um, so, so the idea here is that Jesus has placed us on the top of the hill. Everything you need to live the life that God has destined you to have and destined you to live has been given to you. You're on the top of the hill. So the devil has no ability to change that. But what he can do is he can try to push you off the hill. He can try to push on you. And this is why one scripture above that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, says this, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So we've already talked that the devil is real. We've already talked and established that you have been given everything you need to live the life God wants you to live when Christ is at the center of your life. So now, the Apostle Paul saying, now that you have this position, <laughs> it's really simple. You just gotta stand firm. What's interesting about this term, stand firm, and I talked about this at a Thursday night life group months ago, but it's a military term. It means to hold your position. It means to hold your ground. Matter of fact, we read about this idea in an Old Testament passage with one of David's mighty men named Shammah. So Shammah was facing this battle. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And he's, and he's ready to, to take on the Philistines that were coming against him. And he had this plot of land. They were growing lentils. And he knew that his commander, David, that was his plot of land. And he wasn't going to let anybody take that plot of land. And so we read, it says, And the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but Shammah took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck the Philistines, and the Lord brought victory uh, to Shammah in his little fight. What I love about this is that how much more is at stake for our lives than a plot of lentils? Your family's at stake. Your marriage is at stake if you're married. Your, your wealth, your finances, your health. All of these things can be impacted by the devil rooting himself against your life. Now, I like how the Bible gives the devil a lot of different characteristics or, or descriptions. So here's some names, and you might want to jot these down on, on something on your notes. But he's known as the tempter. And we see that Jesus himself took some shots from the devil, that Jesus went out with the Spirit's prompting in Matthew chapter four and Luke four talks about this. So we know the devil is the tempter. So maybe you've experienced some temptations this week that just came out of the blue, came out of nowhere. Maybe old habits that you were just like, man, I haven't thought about doing that forever. And it just popped up in your mind and you started thinking about all the good times maybe you used to have. He's the tempter. He's also the deceiver. He's the father of lies. He's the, he's the one that has the ability to convince you of something that is a lie and make you believe it as a truth to where you will even lose friendships over some principles that you're convinced are true but are really false. He's good at what he does. I don't want to give him reverence, but I want to give him respect. He's been around for a while, and he knows how to do these things very, very well. He's the accuser, the accuser of the brethren. 
He knows how to shame you. He knows how to paralyze you in mistakes that you've made and failures that have happened to your life. And so he's there to accuse you so he can paralyze you. He's the opposer. So as you are gaining momentum in your life, he knows how to go after you and oppose you and stop that momentum and and stop the progression that you have going on with your relationship with Christ. He's the divider. He'll take anything he can, especially the church. And some of you, this isn't the first church you've been a part of. You know that churches sometimes can get messy. People don't get along, and pretty soon churches are being split, and ugly things are happening because he's good at what he does. He's the divider. And he's also the destroyer. So his ultimate goal is to try to convince you that your life is not worth being lived. And so he'll try to convince you to take yourself out. I don't know how many times I've been on the phone, been in counseling, and people have had thoughts like put a gun to your head, put a gun to your head, take the pills, take the pills. Nobody loves you. Nobody wants you. People are better off without you. Weird thoughts that play like broken records in your head. Why? Because it's demonic, and the devil wants nothing more than to see you destroyed so he can not only destroy you, but possibly destroy everything else that is in that circle around your life. Let me go back to his schemes, because this is what we need to talk about for a minute or two, the schemes. See, I talked a minute ago about these three parts that make up you, your body, your mind, and your spirit, and So he's got schemes, all those names that I just listed, he's got schemes on how to try to come against you and try to push you off the hill in this capacity. So you need to understand that, that when we talk about these schemes, they're real. And some of the schemes are against your mind. I have uh, another slide to kind of show you um, the doorways to darkness, I call them. And this isn't meaning that when you get involved in these things, that all of a sudden your life is, is going to have demons in it, and you're like, Pastor, you need to, to deliver me because I think I have a demon inside of me uh, because, you know, I had some fear in my life. That's not what I'm saying, but these are just typical things that come into our life that I believe have the capacity to open up a doorway to allowing spirits to come against your life, and they can attack your body, they can attack your mind. And they can attack your spirit. And when I talk about spirit, I'm talking about that spiritual part of you that has this connection to God. And so let's just talk about this list real quickly. Let's talk about the mind because it seems like that is the hardest thing that people deal with more than anything. And it seems like that's the space that he loves to mess with our lives is our minds. Because really, if he can convince us in our minds, then he can convince us in our desires And then once our desires pop up, then we're moving on something. So really, you think about if if he wants to get you to do something or not do something, it's not going to start with him throwing the temptation and say, do this. It's going to start with a thought, a thought bubble. That's just just toxic for your, your mind. So lies, speculations. Have you ever thought somebody else thought something about you and you just kept going over and over in your mind going, I know this is how they think about me. And you convinced yourself that that is how they thought about you. And then you finally get the courage to talk to that person and say, hey, I just I just have this feeling that maybe you think this way. I have been in that space more times than I can count. And I can't say 100% of the time it's come back and, and that person said, 
Yeah, you're actually 100% right. You know, you're accurate. How'd you know? Most of the time, 99% of the time, when I've had the courage to go to the person and say, man, I just have these, like, thought bubbles in my mind. I know they're probably not true, but I have to just voice it to you. This is how I think. This is how I'm feeling. No, man. How did you even think that way? I can't believe that. Man, how, how long have you been thinking that way? Oh, too long, obviously. But speculations can just beat you up and keep you up at night, and it's not even accurate. And he's good at that. Fear and worry, the what ifs, we've talked about that in our series, uh, the, the struggle series, the past, bringing up the past, and not just bad ways, like I, I can't believe I gave my life over to that for a while, but he can bring up the past and the thought to make the past look more attractive than it really was. There could be moments where we really got our rear kicked in, but years go by and we forget all of the hangovers and the drama in our relationships. And all of a sudden, we start having these thoughts like, man, it used to be so much more fun, man, when I was partying and doing things. That was the best. So we always remember the kick, and we always forget the kick back. And he's good at that. He's, he's at the root of those things and the inadequacy. We talked about that in our struggle series, too. It's just like, I'm not good enough, and I'll never be good enough, and this person is better than than me, and then all of these things, they trap you in a dark pit, and they keep you from being who God wants you to be, your mind, your body, I mean, let's face it, our bodies are under attack, we're not sleeping, you think, you think that it's a coincidence that you can't sleep at night, you're trying to be worn out, why, because you're not you when you're hungry, you're not you, Snickers figured it out, why can't you, you're not you when you're tired, I heard somebody use the term, and I know you guys have probably heard this too, you're hangry. You know what being hangry is? You're, being, you're angry because you're hungry, and you need to eat something so that you'll stop being fussy. The same thing goes for when you're tired. It's called being tangry. I was tired the other day, and I caught myself. Actually, I caught myself after my wife called me out on it, I should say. And it was something so dumb. I was on the phone with an operator, talking customer service, talking about something, and it just was so dumb. I was, I was just tired. And for some reason, this poor operator got the brunt of my tiredness because I was like, I don't understand why this is, and I can't believe you guys can't figure this out, and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, I, I didn't cuss her out or anything weird like that. It's just I wasn't the pleasant gym that I normally am. To where I got off the phone, and I look over at Tara and my daughter Kenzie, and they're like, wow, you weren't very nice. And I go, wow, man, I'm frustrated. But what I realize is that me being tired dropped my guard to where I wasn't loving people the way Jesus has empowered me to love people. Even if it's an operator for a customer service rep for a company. I mean, the love of God is so reckless that you can end up praying with the customer service rep for something going on in their day if you're in the spirit. But if you're tired, you'll be like me. You'll be SpongeBob Cranky Pants, man. You're just like, you're not going to be thinking, I, get, I need to pray for this lady. You're just like, I'm, saying, I, I'm mad at this lady, okay? So, and sexual immorality and no self-control, just indulging, not telling yourself no, giving yourself over to every whim that comes your way. There are things that are going to try to come into your life that are going to look appealing and look desirable, but I'm telling you, they're there to ruin your body. 
And it's interesting that when it comes to sexual immorality, that the Apostle Paul says there's a lot of sins that we can do that don't impact our body, but sexual immorality impacts our bodies. Now, I don't want to do a sex ed class with you about how these ways that we give ourselves over and our sexuality can bankrupt us with our health, but come on. We know that there's a lot of things we can do in our lives to sin, but they don't impact us physically. But sex, man, it does. And science is backing us up on this, that when you give yourself over in the area of sexuality, it can really destroy you physically. I even had this satanic priest come into our church, this is years ago, and she wanted to be delivered. She was a, 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 a high witch in, in her little covenant, and she wanted to leave it, and she wanted to um, become a Christian, and so we did this huge deliverance. And let me tell you, you read about deliverances in the Bible, and I'm telling you, they're real. I've dealt with probably about a dozen now in my lifetime as a, as a pastor. Maybe not like the exorcist, like some of you have seen that. No, maybe not like that. No head spinning around. Um, one person did levitate. It was weird. And um, I could spend probably an hour telling you stories like that. But this one woman, she was uh, being delivered, and she said something to me. And I just, it blew my mind because obviously I, I don't study all of that stuff. These women give themselves over sexually to these warlocks, and by doing this, they're actually gaining more demons and being possessed with more demons when they sleep with people sexually. And I just like, wow. But I'm, I'm thinking in the Bible that just like that lines up with that, going, huh, like could we be passing spirits on to people through our sexuality? And, and I'm not here to get into a big theological discourse about that, but what if there was some truth to that and it's just that much more of an eye-opening thing to go, whoa, I need to really guard this area of my life because it's not just about me being obedient to God. It's about me protecting myself against things that want to harm me and destroy me and take me away from the purposes that God has for my life. I need to protect that. But then we get into this area of our spirit this is where the devil loves to break us up because, man, when we're connected to God, we're the unstoppable force. We have that love moving through us. We have that authority coming from us. We have that power uh, it being emitted to all the people in our lives. And so what does he do? He tries to get us to sin, and then we have this unconfessed sin. And some of you, you've done something you know wasn't right, and, and you felt bad about it, and all of a sudden, you don't want to pray anymore. You don't want to worship anymore. You kind of wanted to hide. Guess what? People have been trying to hide from God from the very beginning when they were disobedient. You're not the first. And that's, his, that's what he's after. The devil's after you hiding yourself from God because God is your power source. God is your authority. God is your source of love. And if he can get you to hide from him, he's won. He's pushed you off the hill. Sorcery and drugs, what's interesting about that is that in this works of the flesh that's mentioned in Galatians 5, it talks about sorcery. The word there in the Greek is pharmakia. That's where we get our English word pharmacy, where we delve in the realm of drugs. And I will tell you, some of the drug abuse that I've done in my life put me in some really weird spiritual places that made me, I believe, vulnerable to some darkness that tried to come against my life. Shame. When he gets you to fall, that kind of goes with the unconfessed sin, and unforgiveness is in that category. 
See, why am I telling you all this? To give empowerment to the devil to say, look how powerful the devil's going to come against your life. No, I want you to make, a, make you aware that this stuff is real so that you can prepare yourself for it. Peter says, be prepared for this. So be a sober spirit. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We need to come into a realization as followers of Jesus that you have all the love, all the authority, all the power you will ever need to succeed in fulfilling the destiny that God has for your life. But the devil is not going to sit back on the bench and let you have it without challenging you and trying to push you off the hill. Come on, somebody. So here's the weapons. Let's talk about the weapons here. How are we doing on time? Second Corinthians. Let me read this scripture for you. Because how do you, how do you push them back? The devil, or, or the Bible, I should say, gives us these weapons, but they're not the weapons that we're used to. They're not, you know, knives and AK-47s. It says the weapons we use in our fight are not the world's weapons, but God's powerful weapons, which we use to destroy Strongholds. Now, we don't have time to go into the armor of God and all that that makes uh, and, and all that means for us. And I will tell you that I believe it's on my podcast somewhere on our website where I talked about the armor of God, or I should put it up there. It's a good Bible study. I mean, we could talk about spiritual warfare for weeks, and maybe we will at a different junction. As we talk about this idea, you've been equipped to push back. You've been equipped to push back. You're not there just to kind of absorb the push. You've been giving the weapons that you need to push back. Let's go to some of these ways, some of the weapons that God has given us uh, to deal with this warfare that's against our life. And the first one is Jesus. The name of Jesus, as that video was showing, that the name of Jesus makes demons of hell just tremble in their boots. They believe in Jesus. So just believing in Jesus, that's not where the power is. The power in the name of Jesus is when you make him Lord of your life. When you put him up as the center point of who you are as a human being, that is when you become an unstoppable force for God's kingdom, is Jesus when I've delivered people of spirits before, it wasn't about Jim Cruz. It was about Jesus living in Jim Cruz. When I dealt with these spirits, I didn't say, in the name of Jim Cruz. I said, in the name of Jesus. Because it's in the name of Jesus that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given. That every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. And there's an interesting scripture in the book of Revelation. And it says in Revelation chapter 12, it says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. The, the blood of the lamb is Jesus in the way that he came to this world and he died on the cross and he shed his blood to be a, a propitiation for our sins that is a fancy word to say you've been forgiven of all the wrongs that you've done so that you could be made right and restored with God. And in that rightness with God, the name of Jesus has now positioned you to achieve everything that God wants you to achieve. So it's in the name of Jesus that every demon of hell that comes against your life starts trembling. 
And so the more of Jesus you are banking your life on, the more of Jesus you're centering your life on, the more you're positioning yourself to push back. Because it's not about you, but it's about Jesus living in you. So how are you fueling more Jesus in your life? How are you going back and remembering all the ways that the blood of Jesus has forgiven you and made you in right standing with God? Don't hide from God anymore. The thing that you need to do more than anything is you need to run towards God. And you have the ability to do that through Jesus living in you because you've been forgiven. Now the second part of that, if you can go to the second one, and that is the word of your testimony. These are the things that you're doing that are actively engaging your faith. Because we... We come here and I teach the Bible. You guys learn about the Bible through podcasts and your own study, your bookmark study. But here's the thing. When you live out your faith, you're activating your relationship with God. Guess what? So that you know that God is real, not because the preacher says so, not because the Bible says so, but because you are experiencing God firsthand in your own life. You're seeing him miraculously show up and walk you through a, a dilemma that, that came up in your life. My daughter was going through something a week ago, and I'm praying for her, and I'm like, God, she just needs a breakthrough over this situation. I'm in the bank, and a lady is in front of me with a shirt on with the scripture from Isaiah, and immediately the Holy Spirit said, that scripture is for your daughter, and you're supposed to give it to her right now. I gave it to my daughter that day, and I said, God put that lady in front of me for you, and I had to be obedient to tell you. She goes, Dad, thank you. That changes everything. And then later on that same day, somebody else gave her that same verse. Now, see, these things happen, and they're exciting, and they're the way that God wants us to live. You read the book of Acts. This is the kind of lifestyle that the early followers of Jesus had with Jesus. And just because we're living in 2018 doesn't mean Jesus is not moving this way anymore. Just a lot of times Christians get complacent and they don't want to do the things that the Bible's telling them to do. And so therefore they don't see God moving in their life like he did in the book of Acts. But see, these testimonies, guess what? They fire me up. I don't want to be pushed off the hill because I am so excited about the ways that God wants to use me today. I don't want to be pushed off the hill and walking in shame and, and, and unconfessed sin or all of this stuff. Why? Because the power of God is addicting. It's powerful. And, and it's that authority that we have. It's just, it's just great stuff. It says in Matthew, and i gotta, I got to end here, but it says in Matthew, it says uh, Jesus was talking to Peter, and um, he said in Matthew chapter 16, he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I always love that scripture. And, you know, Peter is there, and he's getting this, you know, commandment from Jesus, and it's a beautiful moment. But I always thought about that, like, wow. Like, the gates of hell, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty descriptive. Like, there's gates around hell? Now, I don't know if you know about gates like I do, but gates are made to protect you from somebody coming in and invading you. That's why you have gates. So if you live in a gated community, it's to keep all the people from your neighborhood that want to sell you something, right? There's just uh, or break in or whatever. So we have gates to keep people out. And Jesus is telling Peter, I am giving you love, authority, and power so that not the gates will you'll be victorious when the gates attack you because gates don't attack, gates defend. 
He says, the very gates of hell will not be able to stand against the love and the authority and the power that you are going to possess. You are going to be able to ram those gates down. And why would you want to run down the gates of hell to take back everything that the devil has stolen from you and your family and your promises that God wants to still fulfill in your life? He says, I want you to go and smash those gates and take back that stuff and get your life back in the order that God wants it to be in. And that's what it means to be active in your faith, to go after that stuff that God has told you to go after. And it says, you will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. The other ones, real quickly, is the word of God. Write that down, the word of God. And the word of God, this is how Jesus defended himself against the push that he got from the devil, is he gave the devil the word of God. And he kept giving the devil the word of God. And you need to understand the word of God is powerful to push back the darkness that is trying to push on you. Hearing the word, studying the word, speaking the word, all of those things. The word of God is the oxygen to your spirit to keep you strong in the Lord. Can you imagine going one minute without oxygen? Can you imagine going 20 minutes without oxygen? We need the oxygen to breathe and we need the word of God to keep us in that place of love, authority, and power. Number four is prayer, connecting with God. Number five is the fellowship of other believers. And I'm going rapidly because we're out of time. And number six is worship. Number six is worship. And I don't know, some of you, I get it. Sometimes singing seems kind of weird. You're like, I'd rather come in late to church because that's like singing with everybody. That's weird, you know. Uh, I have a hard enough time singing happy birthday to my family. Uh, I don't want to come into church and sing these songs. But let me tell you something that I learned early in my relationship with God before I really knew about spiritual warfare. And that is worship is a warfare. If you're having a bad day, if you're having bad dreams, if you're having anything that just seems really dark happening in your life, I've seen breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough when people decide that they're going to worship God, they're going to put worship music on, they're going to they're going to sing uh, worship songs to God. I've seen breakthrough. I've seen the darkness tremble when people start declaring the promises of God for their life in worship. And I know some of you, this might be uncomfortable, but I encourage you, as we worship right now, this song may not be familiar to you. It doesn't matter about that. Some of you, you may know the song. God might just say, shut your eyes and let me just minister to you my love, my authority, and my power, and walk in that so that you can live the way I've called you to live. But worship is warfare. And the more you worship, the more you're pushing back the darkness that wants to push you off the hill that Jesus has positioned you on. Remember, you're not fighting for your victory. You're fighting from a place of victory that's already been guaranteed for you. So would you just stand to your feet, and we're just going to worship for a few minutes, and then I'll be back up with a closing word. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.